talk a little bit about uh, backyard bushcrafting because it's with everything that's going on right now it's it's one of those things that may just be worthwhile to sit tight do what you can around home and you know keep the whole social distancing thing in mind while you do it so that's kind of the the point of tonight i think ben uh what's your thoughts and i'm going to do our advertising yeah so our our concern i guess our, our thought process right now is that for a lot of us getting out into the woods may be getting a lot more difficult uh and, and they're, they're starting to really restrict what what we can do but this can be really a good opportunity for us to uh to hone the skills we have um me and robert have always talked about practicing the things you're going to do in your backyard uh especially testing equipment and stuff like that and this really is probably now going to be your opportunity i know that personally i'm getting a lot of stuff done around the house i'm getting things cleaned up i'm i'm, I'm refining my gear and stuff and one of the things that this kind of gives you the ability to do is really go through each piece of gear and define what what you're going to use and then how you're going to use it. And this is where backyard bushcraft really kind of comes in its own. This is your opportunity to take your knife out in the backyard and try to practice those cuts that you you haven't really perfected yet. This is the chance to test your tarp and make sure that you know how you're going to set it up, how it's going to work. Chance to test your sleeping systems and see if they're going to be warm enough. Honestly, this is a, a cold and wet time of year. So what me and Robert have found, what I think we, he'll quite agree with me is this is kind of the hardest time of year to stay nice and comfortable. And we have a, a real challenge right now that's kind of been given to us is to do it without fire. Uh, right now, I think there's a fire ban clean across the province, regardless of uh, how damp and wet the forest is. Uh, the concern is that if there is a fire right now, we won't have the ability to properly fight it and the resources uh, and the risks are just not worth it. So if we can minimize that. The same theory about going out in the woods. They don't want absolutely everyone out in the woods camping, although you'd be socially isolated and distancing. If something happens, people are going to have to look for, for you. Uh, we, we alluded to that earlier that... Uh, the time to recover and the, and the effort for them to organize a search is much greater than it has ever been in my time uh, with search and rescue. Um, and I'm sure your fire department's going through the same thing. I, I bet you any call now is much more difficult than it has been ever. Yeah, we have a lot of restrictions put into play now um, for the most part. Most fire departments are not responding to... Um, I, I say generic medical calls, but your standard run-of-the-mill medical calls, uh, most fire departments have been told not to respond to those, to leave it to EHS. They're better equipped to handle it. Uh, the reality is in most rural departments, we're getting there about the same time anyway, so the benefit is kind of mediated that way, which is a good thing. But the problem that runs in there is the extra sets of hands aren't going to be available for you. Uh, a lot of times in medical calls, there uh, we'll get lift assists. Uh, that's a good example. It might be somebody that has to be carried up from up or down a flight of stairs that EHS themselves can't handle. Uh, so they'll call the local fire department, just a couple extra sets of hands. And now we have been told really to not do that unless absolutely necessary, just to try and mediate the exposure to people. 
uh, and the medical calls we do go to, like motor vehicle incidents and stuff like that, we have like a script of questions we have to ask before we can even approach the scene if the if the patient happens to be responsive and stuff like that. So I mean, it's just added time and added difficulty to basically all the situations. And as you said with the fire ban, um, the big problem with that is on that what if, if it gets away, uh, I mean, a prime example was just down here, we had a fire in Elma. Uh, somebody was burning grass, got away from them. They had to call in a couple different departments. Natural Resources got involved, RCMP got involved, uh, a couple other things got involved there, and now all these people are in co close proximity to each other. Uh, so it is their duty, so they had to regardless, but I mean, it's that's really what this whole fire ban is trying to, you know, try and tone down a little. So it sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, so it, it, it does. I, and, and I know with us, um, I've been in talks with groups talking about just cleaning of the vehicles after after we get back, making sure that everything, it's it all takes a lot more effort to prep things and all that. So with that in mind, what can we still do? Because I, I don't think we're at a standstill by any means, but it's definitely a change, a challenge. Um so one of the things I mentioned is, is testing your sleep systems because this is a great time. It's, it's damp. It's cold. It's still hitting negative degrees here at night at times. Um, even if it's not, it's hovering at that temperature. Um, and it's, it, like I said, it's damp, which really has an effect. So this is a great time to test that underquilt or test using um, windshield reflectors as uh, under tent. Uh, under protection to break that chill, the, the cold butt syndrome in your hammock. Um, different types of mattresses that you can use. Um, a, uh, an acquaintance of mine, I don't know if I can call him a friend yet or not, but mentioned using uh, again on my motorcycle seat. And if I go motorcycle camping, there's a built-in thing that's part of my equipment that I can use as a different use. Comfort while riding and in potentially comfort while sleeping. And uh, I don't know about anyone else. Times, right? So, like you said, prime example to start testing your stuff now versus finding out the failings in the woods. Here, in your backyard, it's nice and easy. If something goes wrong, eh, lesson learned, get up, go inside, nice warm bed to get into. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing is, like, I've often said, the lion's share of my whole pack is my sleep system. Like I'd say 60 to 80% of my pack is dedicated to sleep. Yeah, um, and that's probably be, I'm thinking, uh, size wise, at least like the sleeping bags, even the, as small as they get still take up significant room. Uh, if anybody remembers the video where Ben and I did go to the waterfalls and conveniently enough, the weather is very similar to what it was then. Um, yeah. maybe a little warmer then, but I mean, kind of similar. Uh, if you've seen the picture of the bags, it was a good chunk sleep system. By the time you got the underquilt, the hammock, the the sleeping bag, you know, it, it's it's a lot of stuff. And it's really sucks to find out it doesn't work well for you after lugging it into the woods. And you had a big bag. Like, your pack was significantly bigger looking than mine. Mm. Uh, and I didn't have a small pack. So, I mean, we both went in with big packs. We had the motorcycles. We weren't worried because the majority of the trip was actually 
um, bike driven. Uh, I think if we did something like that again, I'd like to do an even more uh, longer drive mm-hmm. with trips. I'd love to do something like the Cape Breton Highlands or something. But oh, right now, awesome and get a smaller pack. Maybe not ultra light because yeah. Rob does not do ultra light, but lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Just light. <laughs> yeah, light. Just... I, I'd be happy with light. <laughs> Even medium, he said. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so, I mean, those are a couple of things. Just test your gear. Get out there. Prep. Get ready. Because you're to be prepared when it is ready. The other thing we can really do is work on our skills. Um, even though there's a fire band, that doesn't mean you can't practice a lot of fire skills. Uh, I don't see a problem with learning to get an ember with a friction set. No, as long as you do it safely. I mean, it, it's no real different. And disclaimer, personal opinions, not the experts on this. So if somebody does this and gets in trouble, I apologize now, but personal opinion, not scientific fact. Uh, to me, getting an ember going shouldn't be too much of a risk, especially if you do it responsibly. You know what I mean? Don't do it in the middle of the driest part of your lawn where if it gets into the grass, it's going to run. Maybe do it on the driveway where there's nothing around you. Or for me, when I practice this stuff, I have a cement pad that's just out front of my door where, you know, it's fairly big. It's like 8 by 8 or 9 by 9 or maybe even 10 by 10. I'm terrible with size because I literally can't remember it right now. But anyway, out there, uh, that's where I do a lot of my stuff. If you ever watch the video that's on the channel of uh, me making the socket stone, you'll get an idea of... Like, that's where I do all my testing, because nothing can really catch on fire there. Uh, and it's surrounded on three sides, so nothing can really get away from it either. So look for areas like that, and it's perfectly acceptable to try and do an ember or something like that. And I mean, I don't condone this, but I've even done it here in the office. Uh, I think there's another video on our channel of me doing the hand drill, and that's literally right here beside my desk. I did that. So... There's ways to do it safely and responsibly, and that's that's all. With anything, of course, do it safely and responsibly. Uh, so, yeah, perfect time to try out the bow drill. Even if you don't get an ember, uh, it's a good time to learn how a bow drill works. There's lots of other aspects you can do of that without making the ember. Um, you can learn what woods mate together well. Just start getting out and looking for your wood around your property. Is it soft enough for your fingernail to make a score mark on it? What wood works good as a bow? What wood doesn't work good as a bow these are all things that are easy to learn in your own backyard before you try and take it into the woods and you know add more challenge to it yeah uh another thing that this is a great time of year to do uh and it's really interesting to to do this one is get yourself and this leads this does it is related to what we just talked about get yourself a plant identification book um, of some type and see how many different plants and trees you can identify in your own backyard. A lot of people will be kind of surprised with what they can discover. Um, and really being able to identify the trees that are really close to you is going to help you identify other trees in the area. When you go first, a walk, if we still go for a walk almost every day now, we, we, we go around lunchtime and we walk back to a set of trails that are are only short ways from my house. We we've seen pussy willows back there. We've seen uh, there's some birch, there's some spruce. There's you know there's a bunch of different trees and stuff. There's also plant uh, smaller tree plants that are going to start coming up. You're going to start seeing flowers and stuff emerge. And this is you know they're not really all out there yet, 
but everything's starting to come alive again now. So this is the, the early time to start identifying some of this stuff. So this would be a fun time to do that exercise. Um, yeah, and I am not, we are not affiliated to this website in any way, shape, or form. And I'm going to apologize now because your picture is going to be a little screwed up there, Ben, because I didn't have it uh, set up completely correctly. But this website here Ooh. is a great place to start. Um, as you can see, it's, it's Northern Bushcraft. I don't know know them any more than I do any other bushcrafting website, but this is a good place to get some basic information. It does have some uh, common names here. Like uh, I'm trying to think of so a, I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I might make myself look like a fool, but we always call that fireweed. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. There's a lot of local terms uh, that are specific to the region you grew up in, so you really have to kind of cross-reference some things, and they do reference some good books here, Edible and Medicinal Plants of Canada. I actually have that book. Um, and the Peterson Field Guide to Edible Wild Plants, another good one uh, from what I've heard. I've seen the reviews on Amazon, but a good common one, Dandelion. Uh, once again, yes. not recommending this website as scientific fact. Good reference, followed up by some good research and stuff. But they have nice pictures of the plant. Um, they have field notes on it, which gives you a little bit of information. They tell you the different parts of it uh, and what you can do with it. So the roots, the leaves, the flowers themselves. I mean, it, it's a good resource, especially if you're already somewhat familiar with the plant. You know what it looks like, but you're not sure if it's edible. That's where I find myself going back to this a lot. And I mean, there is that testing method where, you know, you break open the plant and rub it on the inside of your arm. You wait 30 minutes, see if you get a reaction. If there's no reaction, you break it open, rub it on your lips, wait 30 minutes, see if there's a reaction. And it goes on and on and on. But um, especially if, like I said, you know the plant, you can kind of come back to websites like this and it'll give you an idea. Once again, I still recommend you looking it up and double-checking everything because you don't want to make that one mistake that somebody thought they knew something and they didn't. Uh, but this website here, I find, is kind of a conglomerate of different people's ideas, and they, they edited it a lot and updated it. It's fairly accurate. Everything that I've looked up, I've been comfortable with. Uh, but I can't stress enough, do your own research and things like that. I, I don't want to see anybody get sick from something we recommended, of course. Uh, but yeah. Edible plants, there's actually in Nova Scotia, uh, one of the members of Nova Scotia Bushcraft, Cliff... Serpentine? Yeah, Cliff Serpentine. Uh, although he is not doing it right now because of the social distancing and the pandemic and stuff, but he has a website. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I'll see if I can find it and we'll throw a link on the video somewhere. Uh, once again, we are in no way affiliated with Cliff, so hopefully, Cliff, you don't mind us mentioning you. He does a edible wild foraging course uh and i've actually taken it and you get a lot of good information out of that i mean he covers a lot of stuff so don't expect to remember all of it unless you basically bring a recorder and a camera because that's the only way you're going to retain it all uh, and i don't know how he actually feels about that either but anyway even if you remember 25 percent of what this man tells you while you're out in the woods uh you'll get a ton of good information out of it. i learned a few things and i know i thought i knew a few things so it's a good time to start doing research on that, not just reading the edible stuff of Nova Scotia, but looking at the other resources for when you can get back out, and social distancing is not such a, a big thing that you can, um, where to go from there, I, I guess. I'm trying to think of the most best way to say that, but I think I just rambled a little. So yeah, anyway, back to you, Ben. 
it's just something I thought we'd throw out there. I mean, this is this is a skill that I think is always important to learn. I know that I sh I try to learn it quite often. It's an area that I I, I always feel I can improve on. Uh, it's an area I know you have interest in. Is your is there, you know, identifying um, trees and plants and stuff, and then the edible side too. But there's a whole medicinal side if you want to get to that, which is you know over and above what I would place in the edible side but what what other things can you do to do with it um but once you identify plants and understand a bit about them then you can start figuring out what else they're good for whether it is medicinal or edible but even like for fire making for rope making for all the other things we can do because you know bushcraft is really related to using the stuff you find in the bush and the vegetation within the woods is the majority of your building materials, your your of your your raw resources, and the the variety and and scope that you have to work with is uh, mind-numbing. And an experiment that someone showed me one time, and it had more to do with tracking, was taking a small section of 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 land and just looking at how many things you can find it. And this was a really small section we were working with, like a couple of inches. Materials and different stuff. Well, I think I froze. Uh, you did for a sec, but you seem to be back now. Yeah. Um, that was kind of surprising. But even if you took a square meter and tried to catalog all the plants, animals, and stuff you find in, on the average forest floor, you'd, you'd be pretty surprised at how many things you can oftentimes find. Um, when you're, when you're bushcraft crafting, you're not looking at a square meter. You're not looking at a couple of square inches. You're looking at sometimes acres that we will gather resources from. Uh, I know I personally built a, uh, I wanted to call it a forest, not a shelter, a lean to style thing. And I walked hundreds of feet for some materials. Uh, I'm kind of wondering what's the furthest you've gone from a camp to get oh, material. <laughs> um, for me, the walk-in is always where it starts. Not only for building materials, I mean, you just kind of make a mental note. Oh, I might need that, I might need that, I might need that, I might need that. And you kind of remember where it is as you're going in. Then you can backtrack to it. Uh, fire materials, another thing. Like, I've gone, like yourself, hundreds of feet trying to find the ideal fire materials in on not ideal weather. Uh, so, you know, I'll end up, up in, um, a hardwood stand, but there's no birch and I'm looking for birch bark or I'm looking for cattail fluff or, you know what I mean? And that could take a long walk, but for building materials alone, probably a couple hundred feet. I mean, look at us when we were once again, referring to the waterfall trip, uh, we found that log. How far away was that, that we were debating splitting it with wedges? Well, you were debating splitting with wedges. I was trying to egg you on so I could learn how to split a log with wedges. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I mean, that was a good ways away. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't think it's on, it's uncommon because I, I can think of, even within the last couple of years, camping with people and people talking about how far they went for that perfect piece of hardwood or the, or the birch bark they wanted or the, the old man's beard, or various things that you, they wanted that, you know, it's, but as you start to, to identify these plants and know where they grow and what conditions and know that if you see one type of plant, you'll generally find other types of plants in that same area because they, they thrive in the same environments. 
it makes it easier for you to find them when you need them. You know when to head uphill or downhill because it's it likes wet spots or dry spots or you know there's a lot of things to take into consideration and uh, some but you'll you'll be able to easily articulate if you wanted to explain to other people other things you just kind of know uh, you can't even really articulate why but you know that I almost always see this in this type of spot and and you look for it um, so that's that's a good thing like I said all this stuff starts at home the more stuff you can learn at home then you carry that into the woods with you when you go you froze you look for a second there, ben. Yeah, just for a yeah. split second, you're still good. It was just the video more than the audio. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, excellent stuff to, to, to start at home. And, I mean, although it's not backyard bushcrafting, YouTube and Google is your friend there. Uh, you, there's a lot of videos and stuff like that where you can start making a, some notes for when you can get back to the woods. Don't underestimate YouTube. I mean, um Hopefully you're watching our channel for the other videos as well. But, I mean, there's there's tons of other people out there that have lots of videos. It's an amazing resource. So don't neglect that either if you still want to get the bushcrafting vibe. Because, I mean, um, I'm looking at old videos now. And it's kind of weaning me off the needing to get into the woods as much as I want. Because I am really trying to do the social distancing thing. My work's kind of put me on to... Uh, a recommended self-isolation to where I shouldn't be interacting with any other people if I don't need to, just because of the line of work I do. And they are really stringent on the potential of this virus getting into the facility. So, I mean, I I, they, I asked about going camping and stuff, and they just kind of frowned about it, to be honest with you. So they don't even want me out in the woods, period. Um, just on that odd chance, I run into somebody on a trail, right? So I don't know if anybody else is like that, but YouTube has become my friend for that. Uh, but anyway, moving on, another great thing to do at home, uh, unless you had more to say on that, Ben, I didn't want to. No, no, go ahead. So, uh, <laughs> another good thing to do at home, and this is a skill that a lot of people like, uh, is knife work. It's a great time to go and get a stick from Outback, and there's this thing called a tri-stick, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Ben. Well, I sent you a link to one. Exactly, so I have a picture of one here. <laughs> And what a tri-stick is, oh, wrong one, uh, we'll go with a full webpage. What a tri-stick is, is it literally teaches you how to, well, it doesn't teach you, it, you're kind of teaching yourself how to do a bunch of different notches uh, and carving techniques and things like that. And I mean, it's, if you haven't made one, take the time and take your time to do one right. And it, it, it's a... It's a fun little project. Like Ben said, he sent it to me, and I tried one. And you know what? A lot of it I looked at, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's no problem. I can do that. There's a difference between doing it and doing and it well it nice. and getting it yeah. right. You know what I mean? Like we've seen that when we did the figure four uh, deadfalls. Uh, it doesn't take much for a notch to be off and screw everything up on you. So get yourself right. a good piece of wood and do the tri-stick. Now, I recommend, and I mean, everyone's going to have their own opinion of this. I recommend a nice piece of alder as a, as a carving piece of wood. And see, I like popple. If you can find a nice straight piece of popple, it's a nice, easy wood to work with as well. Uh, alders aren't not so easy for me to find right here around the house, but uh, I do have some popple around. So that's generally what I happen to pick up when I start looking for wood. That or pine. That's about all I have around my property. 
Now, see, I, I grew up with so much alder around. Like, it was just, that was the most populous plant in, I swear, all of central Newfoundland. I don't know about anywhere else, but you couldn't, you know, any side of the road or anywhere that there's ever been anything before, there's an alder sitting there. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's not as common here in Nova Scotia as it is back home. Not to say that it's uncommon, just... It's not as common. Yeah. Uh, now, see, not. we are talking about alders. You know what else is fun to do with alders, Ben? Whistles. There you go. You knew where I was going with this. Great time <laughs> to learn how to do a whistle. And I have found some alders floating around, and it is almost time. Uh, my opinion. <laughs> ben is the expert on this for when it comes oh, no, to the two of us. But Ben taught me... And I'm starting, it's just to that point where the skin is just starting to separate. So you're saying that next time we do this, you're going to have a, uh, an alder whistle. I am really hoping so, yes. <laughs> uh, providing I can find some more alders because the handful I found in the ditch out here, uh, I pretty much have cut down from testing it literally every three or four days. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I'm really and you're not allowed to travel too far right now to look for one. <laughs> Believe it or not, I kid you not, Ben, this is traveling to and from work. I was driving along and I'm like, alders, and I just whip over to the side of the road and jump out. I have the folding saw and I snap one off, throw it in the back of the truck, go to work, do my thing, come home, and then I, I have the alder. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yep, not a word ah. of lie at all. Literally driving along one day and I'm just like, whoa. Off it went. <laughs> but yeah, uh, strangely, as much as I've been home more now than probably ever, I've gotten less time to watch YouTube than I have in months. So uh, I haven't availed of that as much as I'd like, and and I really regret it because I check every now and then, and I got a ton of people I follow that I haven't been watching, and I I can't wait to catch up on them. Mm. Uh, but yeah. The other thing that I want to, I'm really hoping now that I'll get some time. I got, I got a four-day weekend coming up. I'm really looking forward to this uh, with only a few big plans, turkey, and apparently I got to build shells and stuff. But uh, in between all that and hopefully getting a hammock out for a night or two, uh, I would like to try my hand a bit at at, uh, at uh, flint napping or, or even like some pieces of glass. I have some thicker pieces of glass I've gathered up over the years that I was hoping to use um to practice the skill of you know driving a a flake off of a piece of uh nappable material and stuff and that uh, is not an easy skill to just pick up and go with i mean i i've tried a couple times and i i can't get any of it to be honest with you no uh it's an interesting skill and i've spent uh, I spent probably about six months where that was my passion to learn as much as I could watching videos like I, and I went down rabbit holes with this thing and following like different stuff I would travel swear you know, uh, tr travel around the world interesting topic if you ever get all right, that freeze up might have been my problem, my, or my fault. I apologize for that. I was trying to fix your webcam on the other screen so that the next time I bring up a website, you don't look all goofy small. And I think when I made the edit there, it froze the program for two seconds. So I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. That was my fault. 
Anyways, that that is something that you can do. I know one of the things I'd read. I feel like it's really freezing now. Um, check my side. Yeah, I was gonna say my side still looks good on this one, Ben. Oh, well, my uploads are still pretty awesome. Anyway, so. say with V. Um, yeah, flint napping. It, it's a. It's an art, in all honesty, and I watch videos. I get amazed at how people do it. Uh, if you're looking for true flint in Nova Scotia, unfortunately, it, it, it's basically next to non-existent. You're going to find, uh, in some parts, you can find chert. Um, and I hear you can nap it. It just doesn't nap as good as real flint. But like Ben said, if you want to try something, uh, the bottom of bottles apparently breaks out to make a really good flint nappable material uh, right ben you, like you know a bit more of it than i do so the one i see and it's tricky because you take a nail and put it in a, in a beer bottle and you shake it and you'll blow the bottom clean out i've seen it done i've tried it a couple of times and you end up with that thick bottom of the beer bottle and then you've seen people flint nap or nap it with that like Hearts, arrowheads, small knives, scrapers, things like that. Um, other than that, there's there are other thick pieces of glass you can get your hands on and stuff. And like you said, there's a bit of an art to it. There's a, a, quite a bit of science of how to how to put the pressure at the right angle and different methods. That, uh, and the big thing is is the little shards you flake off of that are razor sharp like beyond razor sharp and tiny as hell. So you really want to be careful when you're doing that uh, and do it in a spot where you can either A, clean it up or B, at least bury it so that kids and dogs don't come in with little pieces of glass in their hands and feet and stuff like that. It's, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's actually the best point to make out of that because that was something I learned while I was trying to flint nap. And even if you are just playing with some chert or something in your office, let's say, you know, I might know a guy that knows a guy, and you were breaking <laughs> pieces of that off, make sure you sweep up really well because just per potentially, hypothetically, the next time you walk through without any shoes on, uh, you may find all those little pieces in your feet. And that's not fun. Personal experience here, buddy? Oh, man. You have no idea. <laughs> you want to know what else works really well, but you can't find them anymore? And somebody told me this, so if it's a lie to me, it's a lie to you. Do you remember those old insulators they used to put on top of uh, the power poles? Those glass balls? If you can find some of those, and every now and then you can find them at flea markets and yard sales and stuff like that, apparently that is magnificent glass because it's nice and thick. Um... And it gives you a good solid chunk to work with. I have a large piece of one in the door of my car for that very reason. Yeah. I mean, it's just... You used to be able to find them everywhere. Literally, like yeah. uh, along the side of the train tracks and ditches. Uh, different places. They used to be all around. But, I mean, technology has come a little further and they're no longer used. Which kind of makes it crappy. But if you can find one... It's worth holding on to. Even if you don't flint nap it, it is worth holding on to just for the kind of neatness of it. Uh, and just because I was looking while we were talking there, uh, this is something just kind of neat that popped up for flint napping in general. So this is the kind of stuff you can do 
uh, foot napping wise. And I, you'll notice now that oh, your, yeah. your image is not so uh, microscopic down there. You're back up to the real world with the rest of us. But yeah, this is a prime example of somebody flint napped to this. I have no idea what kind of glass they use. Um, like, I, I don't have a clue, but that's kind of the neat stuff you can do. It's a real neat that's skill to have. And it looks like he's using like a pine pitch or something to glue it in. Yeah, you can kind of see it right in the, there. You can kind of see it right in there, right? Like it's, it oh, yeah. it carved in somewhere and he glued it in with like, you're probably right, pine pitch and uh, charcoal mixed together. makes one heck of a glue. Um, but yeah, it, it's a nice skill to have. And it's a fun skill to at least try. Uh, oh, wrong one. It, it may not uh, go the way you hoped, but it's still worth trying. You know what I mean? I was no good at it, but I'm going to keep going at it. Uh, and it's a really nice thing to do research on because there's a ton to it. There's a little bit like the basic level of how you just knock flakes off. And you can start from there, and that's great. But, I mean, it goes up to there's specific types of materials you can get that'll knock off specific flakes off the material like it is just a vast subject yeah no exactly and and this is one like i said this is a subject that i've always had a bit of interest in and i'm gonna play with uh uh and uh like one of the the materials they they recommend is uh antler a little piece of an antler mm. now if you have a decent set of antlers and i have a couple around you probably don't want to cut them off for that Robert's grabbing a set though. I'm grabbing one. <laughs> but if you didn't want to ruin a set like that, they do sell pieces of antler at most dog stores. Uh, yeah. Actually, you can... And kind of getting off topic. Uh, a buddy of mine painted this one and sealed it for me. That's why I don't have it bunged up. I was actually going to make this into knife handles. Uh, so I took the other one and made it into knife handles because it had a broken tong on it and this one just turned out neater. But, uh, if you cut those into cookies, a lot of natural pet places will buy them from you. Were you aware of that? No. But I know they sell them, so I, I never knew exactly where they got them from. I always assumed it was a, more of a, a bigger company was somehow getting them, but... Uh, yeah, I, I know that they're not super cheap. You five, fifteen bucks for a small uh, piece, but it would be big enough for what you want. You want, and then the wafers are are usable for whatever. But uh, I have a set of moose antlers downstairs. I have a set of caribou antlers in Newfoundland uh, that I, I keep meaning to bring back when I get down there. Uh, and you can pick up the odd set here and there if you're looking. Keep an eye. So it's options are out there. You know, you can get pieces. Um, the other one I've seen is just a stick with a, a nail sticking out of the base of it, like drilled into the end. Mm. You, yeah. Um, you know approximately what I'm describing. And that's to create that one spot, you know, something, a salt you can hold on to and put that pressure. And they recommend a good piece of leather to put over, you know, put on it between you and you and when you're you're trying to drive those flakes, something to prevent you from injuring yourself. Your leg. Um, yeah. And on that topic of leather, if you happen to have it at home or you have some old leather or something you can cut up, uh, good thing to practice is just some basic leather work. 
You don't have to be fancy. Trust me, I'm not fancy in any way, shape, or form. But a good chance just to practice a little leather work. Like, you'd be surprised how being able to make a basic sheath, and I do mean a basic sheath, uh, comes in handy. Especially if you have that knife you love and lost the sheath or the sheath rotted out on. And to make a basic one, and I can't stress enough basic because this is coming from me, Mr. Basic, uh, it's not a lot of effort and it's not a hard skill to learn and it, believe it or not, it helps you a lot in bushcrafting because uh, depending how far you want to get into it, you can look at it as self-reliance or bushcrafting. I consider it bushcrafting. You can get into like uh, weather work from natural hides. If anybody out there hunts, uh, instead of just throwing your deer skin away, if you do know a little bit of weather working, you can literally take that deer skin and turn it into weather. Uh, it won't be as thick or as durable as cowhide, for instance, but it's still very much usable weather material. Yeah, um, it, agreed. Uh, I feel like I'm froze. <laughs> uh, your picture is froze, but I mean, it's at least in a flattering phase. <laughs> Any case, the audio is still coming through, so I'm sure the video will catch okay. up in a minute. Um, yeah, so that's definitely an option. I. I had a, a moose a few years ago, and I kind of regret not trying something with it. But that that would have been a great hide, to, big moose hide, right? Well, moose hide but, would be very uh, similar. Well, might actually be thicker than cow hide. It might be a really good hide. I kind of get the feeling the flanks on that would have been awesome. Yeah, but yeah, and making stuff out of fabric is is something else I kind of want. My famous saw that everyone loves and tries to steal from me. Um, I've, I've built a bag for that and I've got some ideas of how I want to improve that since I did it. And I just used the old pair of jeans and a sewing machine that I have and have access to. Um, I'm going to just, uh, yeah, you go for it, Ben. And yeah, that's a good skill right there too. As Ben was saying, um, if you have a sewing machine at home or even if you don't learn to sew, you'd be surprised how much that saves your skin. Not only out in the woods, because hopefully you pack at least a very minimal sewing kit. Uh, but if you do have a tool like Ben was hinting at there that you want to make a sheath for that doesn't normally come with a sheath or a carrying bag, you can fire something together in a real quick hurry if you have a sewing machine. And it will it may not look factory ready, but it functions. So, um, yeah. Making some of your own equipment or improving equipment is 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 always a great part of, of bushcrafting for me. Like I said, just trying to get that kit worked out. Um, so if when you test your equipment and decide what you do need and what you don't need, now you can start really refining your gear and your kit and what you take. Uh, and that's a constant skill that I know me and you work on constantly. Uh, know if i can say the word constantly enough in this <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it, it's true it's always constantly changing so you're always constantly yeah. working at it yeah um and that's you know that's fair enough for what it is like one did i uh actually i may have screwed with my volume there did i Tiny bit, but you're still coming Tiny through bit, all right there we go. You're nice and loud again. Uh, yeah. So it's using the mic off the camera. I just thought if I unplugged it, it might uh, clarify some of the issues we were having. Ah, well, it's functioning. Um, yeah. 
Where were we? Uh, making stuff with a sewing machine. You were making a case for your saw. Well, a, a bag. Yeah, just a little bag. Because that's, like, they sell them with bags. And I really wished I bought my, the bag with it. But it almost cost as much as the saw. I think it's a $60 bag that you can buy with it. Hmm. And the saw is, like, 80 90 bucks. Um, so when you buy them together, it's 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 quite expensive. Um Buying it separate, it's it's cost I think a little bit more. Uh, and that's I just cut a it. lot of that stuff. I find is if you don't buy it at the same time, you end up regretting it if you have to buy it later because they're going to soak you for it. I think they soak you for it either way. I mean, I love the saw, and I can't make the saw myself, so you know I think it's. Is it? Is, can you find a cheaper saw that'll do a similar job? Sure. Can you find a job, saw that's better than that and spend a hell of a lot money more money possibly um but it's a really good saw and i and i don't regret the purchase at all but i just took like everyone has old jeans or you can go down to frenchies or any of the you know used clothing stores and buy any pair of jeans and you can get three four good enough material to prepare jeans to make three or four good bags for that and jeans and are really tough it lasts a while it's a it's a good solid material so that's and over the years, uh, I didn't throw away a lot of pairs of jeans. I just kept throwing them into a bin. And now I have a, one of those big, I don't know what they are, 150 liter uh, uh, Rubbermaid container, just full of jeans, like just stuffed. Uh, so when I when I wore the knees out of them or I put rips in them or I cut them with chainsaws or whatever silliness I've done over the years, uh, I kept them. So now I have a ton of jeans down there and I you know, I thought of it making blankets and all kinds of things. They wouldn't be great for, yeah, no, they're not great for bushcrafting. They're I was going to say, too. I'm thinking of a jean blanket and if that would be awesome or horrendous. <laughs> they're, first off, they're awesome. Okay. Um, I had a jean quilt growing up. It's heavy, warm. Want to take it camping? No, it takes up all the room. I don't care how much room you have, it takes it all. I was say, it's not packable. <laughs> it's not packable. No, it is the opposite of packable. But no, if something to throw over the top of your bed or just keep on your couch for for comfort, yeah, it's 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 the cat's ass. Uh, but ah. Uh, yeah, that's just kind of some of the ideas that you can do in the backyard bushcrafting. And I mean, unfortunately, the time we're in right now, that's getting more and more realistic. I guess something else you could do if you so have it is try some tarp and hammock setups. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm starting to clean out the corner in my sunroom here. And I got the eye hook spot and all that stuff. And I'm going to try setting my hammock up there so I can try my sleep system in a few different ways. Uh, and see how it holds up to the weather here, because this is about the weather I expect the majority of my bad weather would be. You know what I mean? Get down to maybe minus five, and that's about my happy spot. I mean, I can go colder, and I will go colder, but that's that's my happy zone. You know what I mean? That's the fall. That's when I like to get out, and that's what you're going to drop down to at night. So if I do it out there, once again, if it goes bad, shrug, come inside, think about it, hit it again tomorrow night. So if you get real cold, what you're saying is you're just going to go in and cuddle in the mail, make her cold, and you warm. 
more or less, or I'll kick her out to the hammock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that going over, but... Uh, but yeah, no, uh, tarp setups. Like I said, another great thing to, to try out. I mean, it's a good time to learn what your tarp will do. Uh, then try, especially if you've never used a tarp. If you're new to tarp camping, don't just run out into the woods and expect to be able to set it up and everything be hunky-dory. Uh, there's a chance you can do that, and it'll work fine, and everything will be good, but if you have a little practice with it, you can learn a lot of better ways to set a tarp up. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Tar I, I love tarps. Tarps are awesome. They, the, 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 um multiple ways you can set them up and 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 customize them to where you're to it's to me it's it's superior to a tent in that way um the thing with a tent that the disadvantage and advantage of a tent is it's pretty well sets up the same way everywhere time the the right location for it it may not set up at all uh, your videos froze again there ben must yeah. be having some connection issues there. Your audio's still working, though, so uh, we're pretty much wrapping up to the end of this, anywho. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the whole point of this was just to give you some ideas of what you can do in your backyard. I know, uh, I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm I'm pretty jonesing to get out and get into the woods and get some camping and stuff done, and unfortunately, once again, just because of what everything that's going on in the world right now, it's not easy to do. So just be aware that there is stuff you can still do at home. Oh yeah, um, there's a ton you can do, and, and we've talked about a lot of them here, and hopefully we'll talk about more as, as time goes on, and we'll get opportunity. Uh, it's kind of disappointing to hear you say that you know your employer is a little bit. Oh man, that's I a different background. Your picture because your uh, the one that yeah. you had was not so flattering, so I thought I'd help you out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's better. That's clearer, anyways. Um, there, we could practice. You could practice your archery. Uh, yeah, be so much careful doing it in, ba in your backyard. Uh, apparently, it can be frowned upon if your neighbors don't like it. Uh, it's true. It's true. None of my neighbors have complained yet. Nor am I. So I'm lucky that way. But yeah, it, it's it's real unfortunate that my employer is kind of giving me that. But I I also understand why they are. Um, I don't want to go too far into it just because of the work I do. But it, it's understandable why they want me to do that. <laughs> Sure, sure it is. Um, it's understandable that it's just really being kind of frowned upon uh, overall right now. Like, it's not just your employer. It's kind of right now, almost society is there, where the expectation is we stay home, we don't travel out, we don't run those risks. Um, but that doesn't mean the passion's gone. That doesn't mean the interest's gone. Um, and like I said, if you can do it in your backyard, no one's really going to complain, because you're you are still being isolated and you're not putting anyone else at risk. Uh, and, oh. Yep, you popped back up, so I threw you back on the video. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's you know, it's an option. Um, I plan on doing a bit of it, like you said. We, I said we have a four-day weekend for me. Some people it's three, some two. Some probably get, don't get any time off. But if you do have time off, and, and you do have it. I mean, maybe you're in a, a third floor apartment and you have no backyard. Then, you know, you, you, you are a bit more limited there. But if you do have a, a few square feet in, in a backyard where you can set up and your neighbors aren't going to get think you're too weird, then, yeah, you can take 
a couple of uh, hiking sticks or walking sticks or whatever and use it to set up a tarp setup or use it to set your tent up. Set them up, play with them, you know, try some layouts, see what you can do, um, see how comfortable you're going to be. Uh, those are all good things to do. Um, do you have any new gear you are planning to try out there, Robert? Unfortunately, right now, not so much. Um, no. I have a wish list growing on Amazon that would probably scare a rich man. And I am nowhere near that kind of rich man status. Or rich no. woman. Doesn't matter. Rich person, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping once this even hints at calming down a little bit, I'm going to have some stuff rolling in that's just going to be great for us to start testing out. Uh, I, every paycheck, I've been talking away a little money. And like I said, as soon as it even gives the inclination that it's going to slow down and they're going to start lifting some of my restrictions, man, I'm going to hit it hard and furious. <laughs> yeah, well, once we're allowed to socially interact again, uh, we'll have to definitely try and get it get together. I know I have a trip planned the May 2-4 weekend, and I honestly fear it's going to be killed. Uh, well, one of the jobs I do... My second job, and I'm not, I'm not so worried about talking about this one, is I work for Safety Services Nova Scotia for the motorcycle courses, as you're yeah. aware, and we've already canceled everything up to May 10th weekend. So that's like all those courses just gone, automatically canceled, and they're going to reevaluate in a couple weeks to see if they're going to cancel some more. So um, that's my second job, my second source of income, which funds a lot of my extracurricular, extracurricular nonsense. Uh, so I just lost... A handful of courses out of that, and yeah. unfortunately, people that were signed up for those, what are missing now, missing out on those courses. But that's the reality. That's just the, it's the time we're in right now, and it's unfortunately the necessary steps to hopefully get us over this and be done with it. Yeah, um, and that is the hope for sure. So we've talked about quite a few options out there. I'm sure there are others that people can talk about. But, yeah, um, work on your skills, work on your setups, figure out what gear you want, um, and just try and do what you can with, with what's available. Do know that it is spring. Uh, a lot of plants are coming in, so that's a, a really good time. Uh, this is probably the time when a lot of forging options actually start to, to start out because a lot of stuff that you can you can forge for in the spring this is about the time it's coming out where you're going to have those opportunities and that opportunity is going to start here and it changes throughout the year but it's pretty solid right into the fall uh and then it's it it changes a bit in the winter um but there's, I mean, you can forge year-round. There's always something you can forge for. It's just, it's, the, I think the most plentiful options are during the spring-fall time frame, right? Spring through agree. fall. And once again, I'm just going to throw this disclaimer out there. Uh, even if you look up mushrooms and you want to try to do foraging mushrooms, because there are some available in the spring, such as uh, polyporous and a few other things like that that are edible. Uh, my suggestion is have somebody that you trust show you stuff like that before you ever try to eat it. And even with your wild edibles, do a lot of your research and hopefully you know somebody that will take you out and give you a good crash course on what you can and can't eat. 
uh, it's always just best to be safe. As you know, Ben and I, we're always very safety-oriented. We want everybody out there to be safe. And, you know, even if it's in your own backyard, we want you to come back from it healthy and very much alive. Yes. Yeah, And that's why I think neither one of us would recommend any particular fungus. All mushrooms are edible once. <laughs> yeah. You've said about a lot of things. <laughs> True. Berries are another bad one if you don't know uh, what you can and can't eat. So anything like that, just make sure you do your research. And best method is have somebody that knows what they're doing show it to you. Uh, and that's why I recommended Cliff. Yeah. And, and he's not the only one, but he's one that we're both somewhat familiar with. So, uh, yeah, do your research for sure. Uh, if in doubt, don't is my general theory. Um, but, yeah, I guess we've uh, we've covered this topic fairly well for the night, I think. Um, I know, did we get any uh, conversation? Any? Nah, it's a pretty slow night tonight. I think, uh, once again, just everything going on in the world. People aren't so apt to sit in on the live shows because they're not really thinking about it. They're probably thinking about a hundred other things going through their head, which is understandable. Hopefully they'll pick us up on the uh, iTunes, iTunes and Google and Spotify and all those other good things there. And we'll still get some comments. Very good. Okay. Well, night all. We'll see y'all later. Have a good night, everybody. Play safe uh, and get as dirty as you can in your backyard <laughs> night all night all